Good morning. Today I just want to take a little break from the series in Matthew that we've been going through and I just want to talk about this pandemic situation uh, that we have found ourselves in. And I've largely avoided talking directly about it, addressing this topic, um, just based on the idea that we need to be able to just look at Scripture and study it for the sake of studying Scripture wherever it is that we are and learning and growing in our Christian walk in whatever topic that that Scripture is dealing with. And um, I felt like we needed to maybe take our focus off of the problems of the world and, and just look at Scripture for the sake of looking at Scripture. And yeah, I still believe that that's important to continue doing, but I realize it's also important to address what's going on in everyone's mind and life and look at how the Bible is practical and applicable in these real-life situations. Um, The Bible and Christianity isn't just a theoretical, spiritually intangible, impractical religion. It has very real, relevant, and practical, real-world application that we can turn to not just for comfort and reassurance, but also as a guide to how to respond, how to process the world and the events going on around us, and how to deal with our own thoughts and feelings. There's been a couple things uh, that I've read this past week that have been making me think about this a little bit more. And one of those things was just a, a simple question on a a clergy site that I I look at sometimes, and the question was asked, how are you doing pastoral ministry at this time? And what stood out to me was not so much the, the actual answers, but who was answering the question. And who was answering the question was primarily women. And I have to admit that my first thought as I'm reading that and looking at that is that I was surprised that there was that many women in pastoral roles in the church. And that topic itself is maybe for a different time, but it then occurred to me that these women are likely the ones responding to this question because they're naturally better caregivers than their male counterparts are. And I know that's a generalized statement, but it's not an entirely unscriptural statement. It's not an entirely untrue statement. As a rule, women are, or they tend to be more tuned to the emotional needs of others than what men are. So it makes sense that these women who are in some form of pastoral role are the ones who are responding because they're in fact, often doing more active engaging with their congregations than many of the men that are in that same position. So what did I take away from this? The fact that I can't just ignore the elephant in the room and act as if everything is normal in the world and go on preaching messages that have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on around us. The fact is that this pandemic is affecting all of us, and that is something that we just shouldn't ignore. I think what brought me 
to this realization is really more the second thing that I was reading this week that kind of tied these two thoughts together. And that second um, thing is just a, a friend on Facebook who has been posting some thoughts. Um, no pictures. She just writes um, fairly lengthy posts about her thoughts and feelings and, and what's going on in her life. And she's been musing about how her and her family have responded to the changes in their lives from the quarantine restrictions that are imposed on all of us during this time. And it's not so much the lack of going out and doing things, not the parts that we all have no control over, but the way that they're living and acting at home in the areas where we do have some control over. And it was in her observations of these little things that caught my attention. First, she is much like me in that um, our society, our um, psychiatric world calls us introverts. And that means basically that we have some difficulty in being social, having conversations with people, getting out and being among large groups of people is uncomfortable for us. We're quite happy to be home alone in our own private space, in our comfort zone, right? Um, so sometimes conversations for us don't come easy. Um, going out in groups of people can be exhausting. And so we're just content to stay at home with our family and maybe with some closer friends in, in smaller groups. And so for people like us, social distancing is what we do naturally. And so when she realized that this situation, um, one post she's just talking about how this is undoing all of the work that she's put in over the years to train herself to be more sociable. Um, and that she's going to have to work extra hard at the end of this to try to step back into what we consider normal life and going out and being part of a community and having conversations with people. Uh, she just noted that those conversations are going to be that much more awkward for her um, stepping back in. And I, I just kind of realized that that is a, a part of me as well. Um, I could relate to, to much of what she was saying. And so I realized that even those of us who don't mind keeping to ourselves, we're actually being effective quite negatively by these restrictions and by the social distancing that's been imposed upon us. And then secondly, she also noted the sign of the stress in her and, and her family and how that presents itself differently in each one of us. And even in us, in ourselves from, from day to day can be quite different. And it's the realization that because of the lack of control, the fact that these social distancing behaviors are not our choice, but are imposed on us, 
It creates stresses in us that causes both behavior, behavioral and physical changes in us. Um, these can range from becoming obsessive-compulsive in areas of our life that we don't normally care about, possibly cleaning our house, um, personal grooming routines, yard maintenance or gardening, and, and just different things like that that people are getting involved in that they normally have no particular interest in or don't put a lot of effort into on a normal day-to-day basis. Um, it can make some of us more conscious of the stimuli around us, the, the sights, the smells, the sounds, things that we don't typically even notice might now be drawing our full attention and driving us absolutely crazy. Our motivation levels can be either heightened or diminished or fluctuating. Um, I'm finding that I want to be busy doing something, but I've been jumping from one thing to the next without finishing any of those projects. And not that that's entirely unusual for me, but I think it's even more pronounced than normal and to the point that um, one of my kids mentioned it to my wife. And so obviously it's um, going on a little bit more than the normal for me even. And so physically our bodies often respond to stress. Uh, we can get headaches, muscle tension, needing more sleep than normal, or sometimes for some of us even maybe less sleep than normal, and just different things going on in our bodies as we respond to this stress. So through these observations that she was making, um, I realized that even though my day-to-day life hasn't changed a whole lot, there is stress from all of this, and it is weighing on me and affecting me. And coming to that conclusion, realizing that this is affecting me, then frees me, permits me to start to address it. It's just like anything, being an alcoholic or even coming to God for salvation. The first step is admitting that there's a problem. Admitting that I'm an alcoholic, or I'm a sinner, or that in this case... I'm stressed. I'm affected by the situation. Now we can start to deal with the problem and find a solution. They say that an alcoholic never stops being an alcoholic. Even after decades of never taking a drink, it's something that just doesn't go away without continual, sorry, and without continual diligence to guard against falling back in you can end up right back in the same condition without ever intending or purposely allowing yourself to do so. It's the same as a Christian when dealing with sin. The Bible teaches us to guard our hearts, to die to ourselves daily. Living for God doesn't just happen. It takes diligence, daily choosing to do certain things that develop that relationship daily choosing to not do things that adversely affect that relationship. Otherwise, we drift away from God 
and sin starts to creep back into our lives. When it comes to the stress that we're experiencing due to the corona pandemic and all the fear and restrictions that have come with it, we need to actively work to suppress that response and to trust God in all areas of it. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I know the one that does. And I know that as we look for the answers in the Bible, that God will show us what we need to hear. For today, I'm going to turn to just one example um, that we can look to and follow to help in our time of need. I'm going to turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk, if you're searching in your Bible, is near the end of the Old Testament, uh, right after Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Um, so anyway, I'm going to turn to chapter three of Habakkuk, and I'm just going to read the the last. I'm going to read the last four verses, starting in verse sixteen. It says, "When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself." that I might rest in the day of trouble when he cometh up unto the people. He will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. So in this short little book, it's only three chapters long, and they're short chapters. We have this conversation between the prophet Habakkuk and God throughout the, throughout the book, and this third chapter is a prayer of Habakkuk. And these final three verses, or four verses, reveal the conclusion that Habakkuk comes to. He's just finished describing, in, in verse 16, his, his fearful reaction the he's in the previous verses he's describing the actions of god and all the terrible things that have been going on in his country and in in his world at that time and then he describes what he's feeling in verse 16 and it's describing that fear that's overwhelming him to the point where he describes his his belly trembled, his lips quivered, rottenness entered into his bones. Like he is completely undone by the fear that's gripping him, that's overtaking his entire being. <clears throat> now, if Habakkuk was living in our world, verse 17 might sound a little different than it does there. He's just describing 
um, the security that they had in their world, which largely came from from the cultivation of crops and orchards and cattle. And so their security comes from having a very reliable food source. <clears throat> and all of that is undone in this story, in this time. And so he's describing all of those things that are being taken away. But if he was living in our world today, he might say some things a little differently. He might describe different fears that he's having and different trials that we go through and that we are facing right now. So he might say things <clears throat> like, when you're sick or injured, when your body or mind is broken, when you've done some wrong or committed a crime or harmed another person and are ashamed, when you've sent your resume to a thousand companies and still can't find a job, when your car breaks down on some backcountry road away from cell service, when things have gone horribly wrong and you're scared of what's going to happen next. <clears throat> when you're a slave to drugs and alcohol or some other form of sin. When a loved one dies and you can't imagine living life without them. When the bills are piling up and the foreclosure notice is in the mail. When your marriage is falling apart. When you lose everything in a flood or a fire. When the government oppresses your freedoms and way of life. When a global pandemic fills the world with fear and death. When your life savings is reduced to nothing because of economic collapse. And when the supermarket runs out of toilet paper, meat, and baking supplies. He ends that with praise God anyway. Habakkuk says in verse 18, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. <clears throat> our problems, our world, might look a little different than it did in, in Habakkuk's day. But in the end, our troubles and our worries are very much the same. His world, as he knew it, was falling apart. Everything that gave him a sense of security in life was gone. Fear has overwhelmed him and his country. But his conclusion is that he will rejoice. He's going to take joy in the God of his salvation. He is putting his entire faith when there is nothing else left to stand on or trust in there is still God and his promises. And he says of God in verse 19, And he, that's God, will make me to walk upon mine high places. God's power, God's presence, God's care for his people is not diminished in any way when we're facing tragedy and uncertainties. God is still present. God is still in charge. There is nothing happening in our world that is outside of his control. There's nothing happening in our world that God 
can't use to achieve his will. We do not need to fear. When the world collapses all around us and all that we have known and trusted is gone, God is still God. And we can decide, just as Habakkuk did, to rejoice and trust in God through the fear and uncertain times. Yes, hard times may come. The world might change. And we might lose our rights and freedoms. But through it all, we can choose to find joy in the goodness of God and the blessings that he continues to give. I know that this one thing, this idea, this idea of looking for the positive, this rejoicing in the God of our salvation, it doesn't make the problems go away. But it does change our perspective, and it turns our focus from the world and its problems to God and his goodness. It can turn our hearts from being filled with fear and anxiety to being filled with joy and hope. Yes, this pandemic and all the news and conspiracy theories are a cause for concern. Yes, it's normal and expected that we're going to feel some fear and anxiety when this is all that we hear about in the news and all around us in our lives. Every conversation that we have with people has something to do with the coronavirus and, and the things that are going on in the world right now. Our lives have been changed. Our freedoms are being removed. But our God is bigger than all of these things. So first, let's do as Habakkuk did in chapter 3, verse 16, and acknowledge our fear and anxiety. Admit that this these problems, all these things going on around us are affecting us. They're causing us to have stress. They're causing us to fear. They're causing anxiety in us. And then when we've admitted that, then we can start to deal with it. We can follow that with a declaration that we will rejoice in the Lord. We will trust him because he is our strength. I trust that you will look to your Bible, look to God through this time. Trust him to get us through this. Trust him that he is still in control and that we don't need to worry about our rights and freedoms, even though we may lose some of those. We don't need to worry about what our government is doing or what governments around the world are doing. We don't need to worry about the mass shootings, about the gun controls that are going on around us. We don't need to fear these things. We have a God who is in control, that knows all that's going on. He knows how it's all going to end. And when we look in our Bible, he tells us how it's all going to end. And it's all going to end with Christ returning and taking over this world. He's going to reign victorious over sin and death. 
And all of that's going to be gone one day. We don't need to concern ourselves with how all this is going to turn out. We know how it's going to turn out. Look to your Bible. Read to the end and see that God is going to fix all of these problems one day. It doesn't mean we're not going to face problems in our day-to-day life. We are going to. Um, the Bible assures us that we're going to face many, many problems. This is just one example. Um, there's never been a time in the world where people weren't facing catastrophic problems in their lives. And God's just asking us to trust him with those things. God just wants us to look to him and trust him, and he will get us through. So take comfort in a God that cares, a God that is more powerful than all these things that are going on around us, and a God that in the end is going to return to this earth bodily to rule and to reign over his people and to give us an eternity with him in peace and in eternal joy with no sickness, no sadness, no crying, and no stress. So just keep that in your hearts and minds. Look to God. Look to his word for the comfort that we need through this time. And trust him. Hope you have a good week, and we'll talk to you again next time. Thanks for now.